everyone, and welcome to this week's Stepping Stone. This is a space for us to go deeper and reflect on our conversation from earlier in the week with Erica Anderson about working from home. We're also going to have some fun too. I'm your host, Ingrid Nilsson, and I'm here with our producer, Christina Cleveland. It is time for probably my favorite time of the week, ins and outs. This section truly gives me joy because I never know what Christina is going to talk about, but I get so many great ideas from her, and I love this because it's turned into our catch-up. Hello, Christina. Hi. This is also one of my favorite times of the week. I know. Who knew that this segment would actually just be people listening to us catch up with each other after like being apart? And when we had the podcast club meetings, I was pleasantly surprised to learn that other people love it too. (laughs) Yes, I was so happy when that happened. So when we had our podcast club meeting, multiple people had said how much they loved ins and outs and just Christina being on the Stepping Stone episodes. And I had been telling Christina that, but it was amazing to hear other people do that. And then afterwards, I was like, see, see. (laughs) It's true. That's exactly what happened. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's so much fun to record, but it's also really amazing to know that other people are loving it and that you are just providing something so fun and special too. What's in for you this week? Well, first of all, my first in is very much influenced by you. So I have been using the Half-Baked Harvest blog after you mentioned it. The week that my mom was in the hospital, I didn't have the capacity to think about recipes from scratch and create a grocery list around them. So I went to Half Baked Harvest and just clicked through photos that looked good. And I was like, Christina was right. This is so easy. And all the food looks so good. And so I have just really been loving it. I've been cooking more of my own recipes again, but I've been following like one half-baked harvest recipe a week, and I've been loving it. This week, we did the caprese pasta bake, which was actually something that you had mentioned looked really good. It was so easy to make. It tasted delicious. I've also used her banana bread recipe as a base for making banana bread. I made like my own banana bread that had like peanut butter and chocolate chips and a crumble topping, but I used her banana bread recipe as kind of like a guide and a starting point, and it turned out really well. That caprese pasta bake is on my list of recipes for this week. Like I bought all the ingredients for it, but I haven't made it yet. So when I saw it in the newsletter, I was like, oh, this looks so good. Yeah. And it's so easy too, because Basically, all of the work happens in the oven, and I love recipes like that. And so the day that I made it, I was actually really low energy, and I went into it thinking, oh, man, I'm going to have to make this dinner because it looks so beautiful as a finished product. And then as I was making it, I was thinking, I'm not really doing anything. This is amazing. (laughs) I love this. It came together in about 45 minutes total, which was awesome. That is one thing that I love about the recipes. A lot of them are really short, like 30-minute recipes. Yeah, I appreciate with her recipes, the timing that she gives. It's pretty accurate, unless it's something that I'm totally unfamiliar with, then I'm just going to need more time with it anyway. But I really appreciate how accurate her timing is. But 
Oh, so good. And I just love the banana bread. I'm actually thinking about how to share my banana bread recipe in the newsletter without it having to take up a ton of space. So maybe that's something we can figure out. But I I thought that it would be cool to share that because I did use Half-Baked Harvest as a starting point and then created my own. It would be fun to have a little recipe card. I know. Yeah, I think that would be so much fun. Okay, what's in for you? So for me this week, actually the last few weeks, it started when I first drew a sweatshirt for the One Step Instagram. I had never really just drawn like that. I used my iPad and I enjoyed it so much that I've been drawing ever since. And I have been kind of using photos, like a photo of my friend, or this week I'm working on a photo of my mom. And I just draw over the photo and add my style to it. And it's been super enjoyable. I'm, you know, of course, dealing with like my inner critic who's like, this is cheating. You're tracing. Drawing on an iPad isn't that hard, but I'm overcoming the critical thoughts and I'm doing it anyway and just trying this new thing out that brings me joy and trying not to think about anything coming out of it. Oh my gosh, that makes me so happy to hear that you're drawing because I love the little illustrations that you make on cards. So I'm like, yes, keep doing this. And honestly, I feel like tracing gets such a bad rap from school, which I understand why, but also tracing is a great way to just learn how to you know, make certain shapes that you have trouble with on your own and just learning how lines connect in things. I I feel like tracing is such a helpful process, but we're taught from a really young age that it's something that's bad that we shouldn't be doing. And I understand in a school context why that is not encouraged, but I think if you're just trying to learn and play, it's a great way to learn. Yeah. And before this, I had been painting. I took a painting class and really loved that. And I had been painting at home, but there's so much setup and it can be really messy. And especially my dog walked through my paint palette one day and then walked all over the apartment. So it can be really messy. And doing it on the iPad, there's no cleanup, there's no setup, I can just get going in a couple of minutes. And I'm trying to do things that are creative, but don't take too much out of me right now. So the iPad is really easy for that. Tracing photos has been easy for that. I also don't know how to draw faces like at all. So I just leave the faces blank. I'm just leaning into like, this is easy and I can do it regularly and trying not to be hard on myself on any of that other stuff. You know, faces, I think, are hard for most people. I feel like that is one of the most technically difficult things to do. I remember taking an art class, multiple art classes, and the face was just, yeah, I would I would leave that blank if I could. Faces, teeth. Oh my God, impossible. I know. Okay, so next for me is something that is totally unexpected, but I am loving it. It is The Last Dance on ESPN. And I know that this is something that a lot of people are talking about right now. 
I have to say that before I started watching this, I was not really interested in watching it because I just, I was talking my way out of it. I was saying, you know, I'm not really a basketball person or a sports person in general. I obviously know about Michael Jordan, but I wasn't, you know, following the Chicago Bulls. I wasn't a massive Michael Jordan fan. It wasn't part of my life during the time that this documentary is covering. It really just wasn't a part of my youth like it was for other people. And then I was talking to Erica's sister and Erica's sister is, you know, around my age and she felt very similarly too. It was something that she wasn't personally connected to when she was growing up, but she understands why it's such a big deal for other people. But she had started watching it and she was saying how much she loved it. And so that's what convinced me to watch it because I was like, well, we're basically on the same page here. So if she's really liking it, we tend to like the same kind of content. So I started watching it with Erica. She was so excited because she had been wanting to watch this for a while. And we started watching it and I was immediately hooked in the first like two minutes. It is just so well done. It's still coming out. We're watching it on YouTube TV since Erica has an account. And we currently, I think, are on episode five. And I think there are eight episodes out total right now, and there are two more that are coming. And it's supposed to come out on Netflix, I think, at some point, but they're waiting a certain amount of time before it releases on Netflix. So right now it's exclusively on ESPN. But it is really just giving me such a deep appreciation for a sport that I really know nothing about. I feel like I'm learning so much. I'm getting so much cultural context and also reflective commentary from these incredible people. And I have to say, I can't believe that I was so resistant to this because one of my favorite things is hearing from people who are masters at what they do, especially when I have no idea about what it is that they do and just learning about something completely new. And that's what this is. Like all of these basketball players are, they were true masters of the game. And it is so cool to watch all of this footage, footage from before I was born, footage from when I was a little kid. It just feels like I'm connecting to something that I wasn't aware of at the time, but I feel connected to it now. And it's just such a well done documentary series. I've been hearing about it. And I know that people really love it. I also don't like sports. So this is one of those shows that was kind of on my list of like homework shows. Like I know I need to watch this, but I'm not really looking forward to it. But I want to be informed. But now that you've reframed it that way, I'm definitely more interested in getting started. Yeah, it is just so fascinating. And what is so incredible is that all of these players have agreed to do these interviews and they're really intimate too. And you get insight not only into Michael Jordan, but all of these other significant players too. You get to learn about their lives and their experiences and how it all kind of ties together. The only confusing thing that is hard for me at certain points is that 
it's not a linear format. And so they jump around and they give you a timeline, but sometimes it's just confusing because you're in 1998 and then you're like in the early 80s and something's happening. And I'm like, wait, Dennis Rodman is on a different team right now. What's happening? He was on the Bulls uh, just like three minutes ago. What's going on? So it takes me a minute to adjust, but I'm also someone who is coming into this just totally fresh too. I have no context around the Bulls or basketball or anything. So it's just taking me a second. But Erica loves basketball. She played basketball growing up. She went to a Chicago Bulls game when Michael Jordan was playing. Basketball was a huge part of her life. And so it's actually really helpful talking to her because she technically knows so many things about basketball. So when something happens that I don't understand, I ask her and she's able to explain it, which is awesome to see that coming out of her too. That's really cool. I just have to show you, I'm going to take a photo because Katsu, who's my dog, his head is like right next to the laptop and he's just like half sleeping, half sometimes waking up when I'm talking. Oh my God. I can't wait to see that. That's amazing. (laughs) That's going to go through a text message like Erica and I were (laughs) mentioning the separate channels. Exactly. Okay. So Moving on to my, I'm so distracted by his little face, but moving on to my next in is almond cookies, green tea, which is actually, I'm drinking it right now. And my favorite brand is the tea embassy. I've loved this tea for years, but what brought it to my attention is the restaurant where I first had this tea was one that was in my neighborhood in Austin. And this week, I saw the announcement that they are not going to reopen after quarantine. So that just hit me really hard because I loved this restaurant. It was called Blue Dahlia, and that's where I discovered this almond cookies green tea. So I've been drinking it more now, and I also love this company, Tea Embassy, because their teas don't have like an artificially sweetened flavor to them. I've had other teas before that have really fun sounding names, but then when I drink them, they just taste fake, like flavored. And this tea really tastes like cookies. I don't know how they do it, but it has like little flakes of almond and little bits of coconut in it. And it's really delicious. And when you order from them, they send you a little handwritten note. And so I remember one time I ordered this tea for my mom who lives in Houston and it was around the time of Hurricane Harvey. So they sent her this really sweet and thoughtful handwritten note saying like they wished that she was okay. And I'm all about supporting a small business like that. So I just really love this tea and this company too. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. I feel like it is so rare to get a genuine handwritten note from a business these days. Mm -hmm. And they also send you a little free sample of another tea when you order one. Oh, that's so cool. I'm gonna have to look into this because I love a good almond cookie tea. Does it have caffeine in it? Because it's green tea. Yeah, it does. And I do, I'm very sensitive to caffeine. So I have to be very careful about what I drink. 
but this does have caffeine. And the only other tea that I've had of theirs is the almond cake tea. So I really haven't <laughs> strayed very far. I just really love this stuff. <laughs> You're just circling around the dessert teas right now. Okay, I'm going to look that up because both of those sound delicious. And I could actually use some more tea in my tea drawer. I go through tea so quickly. I always feel like when I get new tea, this is going to last a while. And then a few weeks later, it's gone. Especially now, I feel like I'm using tea to kind of break up my day. The last thing on my in list is fresh flowers. All of the flowers outside are so beautiful. And at the grocery stores, they have been stocking spring flowers as well. And they're just so fresh and so beautiful. And I have always loved fresh flowers, but Erica is someone who really makes a point to have weekly fresh flowers, and she often gets whatever is seasonal, and so things are always changing. Right now, we've had tulips, and we're moving into peony season. I just saw some peonies today, so I think maybe next week we'll try out some peonies, but it's just been so lovely having different colors every week and different flowers, and it really makes a difference. We put some in the bedroom and then on the dining room table, and it just, I feel like, brings everything to life. And I love sitting at the table in the morning and having the fresh flowers there, waking up in my bedroom and being able to look at fresh flowers. It really just feels like something so small, but big. And I also think of the Sex in the City episode where Carrie wonders if she should buy the expensive flowers or the cheap flowers. And I am with Carrie on this one. The cheap flowers are always the way to go because the expensive ones always die really fast. And usually the ones that are cheaper are the ones that are in season and are probably going to last longer. So I always think of Carrie when I'm buying flowers <laughs> randomly. That's a good tip, though. I actually knew that it was peony season because I've been seeing them pop up in people's gardens. Like the tulips are definitely starting to wilt and tip over and not look so lush, but I've been seeing peonies. And I don't think that's something I would have noticed last year. Yeah. And I still think that the flowers this year are much larger than last year. I think so too. Like, I totally agree with your comment where you were like, there are petals that are the size of my hand. I put out my hand next to some of them and I was like, this is accurate. They are. Okay. So my last in is design documentaries. I think it's a similar thing. Like I've just been enjoying watching masters just do what they do. So this week I watched Eames, the architect and the painter on Amazon. And that was one that I knew about it and it had been in theaters, but I never got around to watching it in theaters. So I finally watched that. And then I also watched one called Roms about Dieter Roms, who was a product designer for Brown. And I just loved seeing all of the ways that these people, like Eames was known for chair design. And also, we usually only hear about Charles Eames and his wife, Ray, was always kind of in the background. Up until recently, when he was in exhibitions, he was the main focus and people didn't take her as seriously. So 
that was infuriating, but also interesting in the documentary. I also liked seeing that even though we know them for their chairs, they were creating so much more than that. And they were making movies and photography and producing events and poems. And I loved just seeing the vast array of things that they were making. And then same for Dieter Roms. He also created products and furniture. But what I found interesting about him was he was talking about and thinking about environmentally conscious design back in the 70s before people were really talking about that. And then he also had a lot of really interesting things to say about how people today are so busy looking at their devices that they're not connecting with other people and they're not experiencing like the real life tactile experiences in front of them. And I just think He's exactly right with that. And that wasn't what I was expecting to get from a design documentary, but both of them were so good. Where did you watch those? So the Eames one was on Amazon, but ROMS was on a design website and they were showing it for free just for a couple of days. But I think you have to rent it in normal times. I am going to have to watch this Eames documentary. I'm currently watching another documentary on Amazon that I think I, I'm liking it so far, but I haven't finished it. So I don't want to recommend it yet, but I think I'm going to be mentioning it soon. And I feel like you'd be really into this too. So I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> I am really into the Eames documentary and Amazon. If you like dig around on Amazon, there are some really good movies and documentaries and just things that I've never heard of before I found on Amazon. Yeah, we're all getting way more familiar with our streaming services. <laughs> yeah, and the different themes that different streaming services provide, you kind of learn what they're good at and what they're not so great at. And I feel like Amazon has been really great for things that are a little more obscure that you don't really know about, but they're very like niche interests. And I am the demographic for that. I love just learning about something completely random and doing a deep dive. So let's get into some outs. My main out for the week is just letting go of anxiety, nerves, and fear because I've spent this last week working on this project that I mentioned in my newsletter, Christina, you know what it is, but it has just taken up not only a lot of time, but just a lot of my energy. And I just feel this huge sense of relief, but also terror because it's going to come out eventually and soon. So I'm just trying to be in this space where I'm letting go of all of the anxiety, nerves, and fear of the creation process because it was really difficult and it required so much stamina. On my end, I was thinking about it today as I was walking back from the grocery store having my solo think as I do <laughs> on that walk back just having a conversation with myself. I was thinking about how much energy it took to get through this week. And I knew that rationally, but I could really feel it in my body. As I was walking down the street with my groceries, I could just feel how depleted I was and also how much my body has relaxed since 
submitting the project and basically finishing my part of the work on the project. Because leading up to that, it was, you know, waking up in the middle of the night, like, oh my God, what am I doing? Am I going to mess this up? And then being so afraid in the morning to like step into the space because I was like, am I going to be good enough for this? What's going to happen? I'm afraid of receiving feedback. What are the collaborators going to say? And there was so much fear and anxiety around conceptualizing. It's also something that came up completely unexpectedly a week ago. And so there was really no time for adjustment. It presented itself. I said yes. And then it turned into this creative sprint. And that's where the idea of stamina came from. And I was thinking to myself that I really would not have had the capacity to go through this sprint if I hadn't been so intentionally taking care of myself leading up to that. Because the reason why I feel this sense of relief now is because I know that no matter what, I have put my absolute best into the project. And that's not always the case. You know, sometimes I walk away from things and I think, you know, I could have I think done a step more, but I didn't have like the capacity for it. But this was one of those moments where I had the capacity and I showed up to the absolute best. I did better than what I thought my best was. And so that's exhausting. And <laughs> I'm letting go of all of those nerves and all of the fear that I walked through this week and just really letting myself sink into the feeling of relief and ease. And I feel it physically in my body now, which just, this is what I need right now after this week. I think that people want to hear about the creative process because it can feel so nebulous but I'm really glad that it has come up in this way and also in the newsletter, you sharing the steps of this is how it feels in the beginning. This is how I get through it. This is how I push it out into the world. Because especially when you're a creator, I think it feels like you're doing those steps alone and you don't really know how other people do that or get through that. And sometimes it feels like you're the only person in the world who's like going through this. So it's really interesting to hear your process and watching these documentaries, seeing other people's processes too. Yeah. And I think when you feel alone in something, it's easy to tell yourself, oh, I'm making this up. Like I'm making up how tired I am. I'm making up how much energy this required. At least that's where I go. And I I keep reminding myself, no, this this literally takes everything out of you, like everything that you are capable of. It dips into all of your tanks, whether it's just your physical energy, because you have to stay up and you have to keep going your mental and emotional energy for sure. And then your creative ideas, you're like digging into a well and like really pulling from so many things that you have observed. And so I'm just grateful that my wells were full because I needed them this week and I didn't know I was going to need them so much. And I think one thing that has helped too is Erica validating me because she was watching all this happen. And yesterday she said to me, 
you know, it was really impressive watching you walk through this week. She said, I watched you go through fear and show up every single day and do the work that you needed to do. And you just kept going and you did not stop until you were finished. And I was like, oh, thank God. Like, cause I'm normally doing this without anybody seeing a lot of this. And so it felt good to have someone else there who was witnessing all of this happening and could reflect it back to me and mirror what I had been feeling. So it helped me to just be like, it did in fact happen in the way that I believe it to have happened. (laughs) Just makes me go back to everybody needs an Erica. Exactly. Everyone (laughs) needs an Erica in their lives. And this is Erica's favorite comment of all time. So whoever left that comment, Erica thanks you. And it is now just the theme of my life. Erica reminds me of this a lot. Okay, what's out for you? So my out for this week is the habit tracker in my bullet journal. So I started bullet journaling this year. It was one of my 2020 resolutions, and I just started for the first time in January. And I'm someone who relies heavily on lists, but usually my lists are in several different places. So I just wanted to have one place to put all of my lists and to track my time because I also tend to try and fit a lot of things into a short period of time, like more than I can physically do. So bullet journaling has been helpful, but there's this one spread that's really popular, which is called the habit tracker. And it's like a little calendar and you put down the habits that you want to do every month and then like color in when you do them. And in January, I thought it might be like other New Year's resolutions where you start it, but it kind of fizzles out by like February. But I've really stuck with this and especially the habit tracker. Like I've really improved a lot of habits like drinking water and moving my body and meditating and being generous. But I've just noticed in quarantine that I was becoming too focused on my habit tracker. And before quarantine, there were other things that were getting in the way, like life just gets in the way of some of those things. But now in quarantine, there's nothing else. That's it. So I was just getting, I think, a bit obsessive about the habits and also just feeling bad when I missed them because it's like, there's no excuse to not do this. There's nothing else (laughs) that you're doing. So this week I have stopped filling it out. I haven't even looked at the page. And if I meditate, that's still great. But if I don't, I just don't want to feel like I'm letting myself down or doing something wrong. So it's been a pretty big change for me. And it's not something that like affects really anybody else, but it's big for me. I feel like that's huge, just even recognizing that something that was feeling good for you before, the way that you're entering the space now is with a different intention and motivation. And I think we talked about this, how you can be doing the exact same thing, but they could mean something completely different depending on how you're approaching the space and just noticing that you were getting obsessive about it and how that wasn't the space that you wanted to be in is so big. That's so huge. Cause I feel like 
at least I've definitely been in situations where I've just kept going because I'm like, well, this, this is what I'm used to doing. This felt good when I started it, but there are turns that you can take and you need to take a break from things and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of confusing with these wellness habits because from the outset, it seems like, oh, well, this can only be good. Right. But I think that's what you talked about before in one of the slowdowns is that there is a line between when something that is healthy can be unhealthy and it's the same habit. Totally. And, you know, I feel like you just see this if you are in a group of people, everybody is going to have different things that make them feel good and different things that don't work for them. And people can just approach things with completely different motivations. And that totally affects how it's affecting you and your overall wellness. And I think actually just with the newsletter, I think it's really helped me keep track of how I'm approaching different spaces each week, just thinking about like the different components of wellness that I connect to, which are physical, mental, spiritual, relationships, community, and inner child. So those are like my six components of wellness. And I feel like it's been really helpful for me, but I can also see how I could get obsessive around that too. So it's kind of just having this constant awareness around how you're approaching things. Yeah. Awareness, I guess, is an upside of being in quarantine because that's kind of all there is. I'm just aware of everything that I'm doing. I know. But, you know, as I said today in the newsletter, paying attention, it's a way to fill the well. So I feel like that is definitely one thing that is consistent in quarantine is just how much I'm paying attention to things, not just like my own behaviors and my feelings, but just the world around me. I'm much more aware of what's happening. Okay. So working from home, I'm interested to hear how that's been for you because you're used to coming over to my place and working. So with this conversation with Erica, was there anything that resonated with you? There was a lot, actually. I really liked what you said about having weekly appointments or standing commitments for certain days, because for me, I'm fine with my morning routine. I feel like that hasn't really changed very much. I'm very consistent with it. And then working is also okay, but where I struggle the most is the end of the workday, like stopping working transitioning out of work and what to do with my time in the evening, then weekends also are challenging for me. So I think that the weekly commitments is something that would really help with that. I've had some things that I've done, but not on a regular schedule like that. Like I have a friend who usually about once a week will do like a drawing night where we are both drawing at the same time. And then we kind of send each other updates of like, how's it going? What are you drawing tonight? What music are you listening to tonight? And that's fun, but we don't have a set day that we do it every week. So I think 
that's a change that I could make that would be really good. Yeah, I really hadn't thought about that until recently. It's something that I've been doing for a while, but I wasn't consciously thinking about how much it has helped me in this moment. And now I've realized, oh yeah, baking this in has really helped me just fall naturally into this space. So even though a lot of my previous commitments that I counted on weekly, like evening yoga with the same teachers, et cetera, et cetera, are not happening anymore, I've been able to replace them with other things, you know, a standing call with the same friends at the same time on the same day every week. And you know, grocery shopping on the same day. So today's Friday when we're recording this. That's my grocery shopping day. I woke up today and really didn't want to go grocery shopping, but I told myself, go grocery shopping. You have the physical energy to do this. Go an hour later than you normally do, but still do it today because it's going to help you if you do it. And Grocery shopping is just daunting right now. So every time I enter into grocery shopping, I'm a little just like uneasy about it. But keeping that commitment on the same day just really helps me because I know, okay, I'm grocery shopping today. I feel really accomplished on my walk back. And I know on my walk back that I'm starting to walk into the weekend. And that is a feeling that I really, really look forward to every week is carrying my groceries home on the walk back and feeling that feeling because I do feel it every single week. And it's interesting how routines can help with that. I was taking one of Allie Bogard's classes. I think you took this one too, but she had said that creating structure and routine really helps your nervous system to just calm down. And I feel like that is totally true, especially when it comes to these weekly commitments and just something as simple as walking back from the grocery store. And that signals to my body, the weekend is coming. You are finished with this work week. You feel really accomplished from getting groceries. And now you get to walk into this weekend space and feel really good about it. I think one of the difficulties of quarantine and knowing that everyone is home and has no plans is that there's almost too much flexibility for me anyway. I've been finding that I can take workout classes on Zoom, but I also know that they're going to be available afterwards on demand. So there's less incentive for me to be there at the beginning of that class on that day because I know I can take it any time. And then also with plans with friends, they're a little bit loose because if someone has to reschedule, then normally the other person is like, that's fine. I have no other plans. So that works for me. But I think right now I'm starting to notice that, okay, this drawing night, I'd like to make it a set day of the week and make my family call a certain, like make it Sunday. And we all know that. Yeah. And I feel like when you have things with multiple people too, like I'm in a book club and we meet on the same day every week around the same time. And then I also have a standing call with multiple friends. Uh, Willa, if you're listening to this, 
she forgot about our standing call. So <laughs> it was Michelle and I on the call while Willa was grocery shopping. And so, but Michelle and I stayed on the call and we still had the call, which I think was really helpful to do that. Obviously, we wanted Willa there too, but we still made it happen. And I think that commitment is really important. And it also just helps to build self-esteem in a moment where I feel like so many of us have really low self-esteem. I know I do, and I'm really struggling with it. I have better days and really hard days. I'd say today's a better day, but doing those small acts of self-respect is so important for building self-esteem because, you know, following through with a commitment really shows a sense of self-respect when you can show up and you really can make it for that moment. Following through with that and repeating that action over and over helps me just feel better about myself. Like I just feel like I like myself more when I do that. Yeah. And I definitely have that in my mornings, but I am noticing that in the evening, it's so much harder for me to have that set series of events that I do and I'm building routine around. But I did have this week one night where I kind of had my ideal evening. It started with, I did one of Ali Bogard's meditations. It was the rest and relaxation one. And my body just would not relax. And it's a 35 minute meditation. But for 32 minutes, my body was just like this tight, tense ball. And then in the very last few minutes, it finally started to melt. And then I took my dog on a walk. I didn't bring my phone. And it was just a long evening walk where I was looking at people's flowers and like looking up into their windows. And then I got home and took a shower, didn't have my phone for that either, and then got in bed and read. And it was a perfect evening. And I only did it that one time, but I want to recreate it because the next morning I woke up naturally. My body just woke up before my alarm and then I was ready to start my day. So not only did it give me a great evening, but the next morning things just started off more smoothly too. Oh, I love it when those days happen where you have a really great evening and then you wake up naturally and you feel really good. I always find when I try to force and replicate those days, I end up getting mad at myself because it's not exactly the same. And that's what happened the next day. I like tried to do the same thing, but ended up on my phone, wasted an hour on my phone before bed, and then I was just angry. Why does that happen? I don't know. Because I've done that, you know, before quarantine, if I had a really great solo date with myself that just kind of unfolded naturally, I tried to like replicate that again by doing the same things. But it didn't feel the same because obviously I was forcing it to happen. And the, one of the reasons why it felt so good the first time was because I was following the natural unfolding of life and not trying to have this rigid structure. So yeah, I feel like there's this balance between having structure and routine, but then also having that permeability, which I feel like is my word of the week. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's that it's like 
boundaries, but staying flexible. And that's really what I'm trying to navigate. Like my habit tracker, those were my boundaries and they were really set, but now I'm taking a step away from them and I'm like, okay, what's this going to look like? This is a whole new thing. Yeah. And in next week's episode, we're going to be talking about boundaries specifically. I'm talking to someone that I'm really excited about. I'm really excited to share this episode with you because this was an interview that I was so looking forward to and really nervous about. It also happened during my crazy week. I'm just remembering That's another reason why I was freaking out this week because I was so nervous to talk to this person. Um, But she is incredible. And we talked about boundaries and just the importance of remaining permeable so life can still touch you and you're not just, you know, putting up walls around yourself, but you're still allowing life to come through and you're allowing yourself to notice how you're responding to those things. But it's it's really, really hard. And we're especially being tested in this moment in a whole new way. I feel like I'm just a beginner again at being me, you know, in so many ways. I'm like, I'm like a newborn Ingrid just trying to figure out how to live in this totally unfamiliar world. I feel that way too. And that explains why it was so difficult in the beginning. And I think it has gotten easier the longer I've been in quarantine, but it's not linear. Like last Friday, I was in a totally different mental space than I am today. Like listening to our stepping stone from last Friday, I'm like, wow, you're so optimistic. <laughs> and now I feel like that has flipped. Like last week, I was so frazzled because I was I knew that this week was coming and I knew it was going to be really intense. So I was really frazzled about that. And now I'm the one who's feeling optimistic. <laughs> So we've just totally flip-flopped positions, I feel like. We're balanced. I know. Oh, thank God. All right, that is going to be it for our stepping stone today. Thank you so much, Christina, for being here and catching up with me. And of course, thank you to all of you who are out there listening. If you'd like to share your thoughts with us, you can always email us a voice note to onesteppodcast at gmail.com. All you have to do is open up the voice memos app or the voice record app and send us a voice note. You're also welcome to just send us an old-fashioned email. While you're here, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review One Step. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at One Step Podcast to stay up to date. Thank you so much to our producer, Christina Cleveland, our sound engineer and editor, Tung Chen, and of course my studio, my closet in New York City. Take care, everyone, and we'll talk soon.